Next on BYUSN, the number one concern within BYU football right now, and more importantly, how to fix it. And was Notre Dame a bad loss? Perception versus reality on this. Welcome to BYU Sports Nation, presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. It is Tuesday, October 11th. Wherever and however you're connected, great to have you with us. I am Spencer Linton, teamed up alongside a man who is a homecoming spectacular personified, Jerem Jordan. After this, we're going to go over to the opening ceremonies at the Marriott mm -hmm, Center, mm -hmm. and uh, we have eight minutes to entertain the crowd. So <laughs> we'll see how that goes. you got eight minutes not to screw it up. Yeah, uh, typically it's 50 on this program, so I'm confident we can hold eight minutes. <laughs> but we'll see whether it's good or not. There is That's something TBD. about a live audience, right? If a what joke hits we or have not. Three people in here right now. So if we have one of the three people with this in here that chuckles, you're that like, oh, that was a good joke. Slayed. That was a good joke. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not going to give away the content, but it's, don't, it, don't we've got do something it. planned. Uh, if you have a closed stream capability for the Marriott Center. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't think it's on TV. <laughs> we're not. We're not is it on, on TV? I, I don't, don't think, think so. I'm, not I'm assuming it's not. It is not. Okay. <laughs> what is on TV today? Well, it's, it's, not, it's not on TV, so we can go a little further. Yes. A little edgier. Yeah. Know, I'm just kidding. <laughs> on today's program, on this very show, uh, David Nixon will join us to talk about Notre Dame, Arkansas. Is 10 wins still possible? The number 24 and what it means? Favorite helmet from the last two weeks, put out a poll. We'll update that, hear from you. What'd you like, last week's helmet or this week's helmet and more? A lot of, uh, a lot of diverse opinions there. Kalani Stake weighs in on Jaron Hall's health. It's going to be a running theme here, guys. And the top five plays versus SEC teams on Top 5 Tuesday. But first, we got to... We got five headlines. Let's go. Indeed, BYU football three spots out of the latest AP Top 25 with their four wins and two losses. Back to work in preparation for a showdown with Arkansas following a frustrating loss to Notre Dame in Las Vegas. Head coach Kalani Satake believes the path to less frustration and more wins lie in some simple fixes. Yeah, well, I, I go first go to the things that I can see and be corrected right away and um, low-hanging fruit, if you will, right? So things that, that shouldn't take too much effort, but uh, maybe a little bit more focus, a little bit more communication, accountability. And um, that's, that's, that was my frustration, that I, I don't think those things should be showing up. There's nothing wrong with plucking low-hanging fruit. It's delicious. All right, Adam. Do it! Of note, for the visitors on Saturday from Arkansas, Razorbacks head coach Sam Pittman says it will be a quote-unquote normal week for his quarterback K.J. Jefferson, who did not play last week in a road loss at Mississippi State for the Razorbacks due to concussion protocol. The men's hoop TV schedule is out. The Cougars play nine games on ESPN starting November 23rd in the Bahamas, six games in league. Then CBS Sports Network will grab six games as well, five of which are in the WCC. BYU TV has the rest of the home games not on those two. A full breakdown is on BYUcougars.com. BYU women's volleyball creeping back up toward the top 10. The Cougars move up two spots to number 12 in the latest AVCA poll. Also, Whitney Larines is the West Coast Conference Defensive Player of the Week, compiling 10 blocks over six sets last week in wins against Santa Clara and San Francisco. Cougars play at St. Mary's and Pacific this week. Sister Olivia Wade is the West Coast Conference Women's Soccer Offensive Player of the Week after scoring a goal in each game last week in San Francisco and the University of the Pacific. Cougars host unbeaten number 15 Portland big game Saturday night on BYU TV. Jeremy Guthrie thinks that Olivia Wade news is awesome. Ashley Hatch. Yes. Yeah. Ashley Hatch and Team USA play 
Spain in a friendly soccer match, 2.30 Eastern in Pamplona today to close out the United States two-game European tour. All rise and shout. Indeed, it is time for What's Trending, presented by Bodyguards, protection for a life worth living. Learn more at bodyguards.com. Jerem, safe to say all losses hurt. And by nature, carry frustration, what-ifs, coulda, woulda, shouldas, and millions of couch quarterbacks after the fact. But not all losses are bad, per se. That said, I'm about to ask a very divisive question. Was BYU's loss to Notre Dame bad? I said as much on uh, Saturday night. It's never a bad loss to Notre Dame. Because, never. Because Notre Dame. Now, certainly it was disappointing to not beat a beatable team, a team that lost to Marshall, a team that is perceived to be not at the same level that a typical Notre Dame team is at. Certainly that's disappointing. There were opportunities to win. Should BYU have won that game? Yes, BYU wasn't the better team. Notre Dame was the better team. Should BYU have played better in the first half and put itself in a position to win this game? Yes. Yes. Yes, we chronicled as much. Um, are we thinking BYU is better than it is right now, though? I just wonder, because I went through the metrics this morning of FEI, SP+, Beta Rank, FPI, K Ford, Sagarin. The composite of that has BYU at 46 in the country. They're not just looking at the score or who you play. They're looking at how you play. And those results, right? In basketball, we break down all these metrics. So, BYU's 46. Do you know what Notre Dame is? Best shot. Guess what Notre Dame would be in this composite of those. 35. 18. Whoa, higher than Notre Dame is considered to be a good team. Well, they're not in the AP poll. The AP poll is an opinion poll from writers. There are, it is certainly a metric that we value, but... The metrics are uh, saying Notre Dame's a good team. But, Jerem, BYU's better in the metrics than Notre Dame. Close no, they're not. Look, no, they're, they're not. not. They are not. So, I don't think it's a bad loss. Mm. Also, it's Notre Dame. When, uh, can we have bad wins by definition, then? Like, if a team ends up stinking. Like, beating Pitt in uh, 84, when they rank third, but then they go 3-7-1. Is that then a bad win? Yeah, big in like, the moment. Of course but it's a good win. Big in the moment, everyone's good, right? Big in the moment, yeah. but maybe unimpressive is the word. Sure. And the performance was worse than Notre Dame is. You know what I mean? It's like, Notre Dame is going to be a – if they end up being a six-win team, okay, maybe we feel worse about it because yeah. it's like, oh, they were super winnable. Trust me, if Notre Dame wins ten games, BYU wasn't going to win that game. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Because that team's too good. Well, it typically doesn't win that game. Sure, it's tough. It's, it's really tough. Those type of wins are few and far between. Yeah. But here's the thing. It's tough to beat a 10-win team because there are like eight 10-win teams, eight to 10 10-win teams every year. Maybe there are a few more than that. They're really good. Like, That's why you don't like, win that game. There just aren't that many. Yeah. And, and like, if you beat that team... Like, that's one more loss for them. So maybe they're 9-4 and four, or they're 8-5 and five because you're adding to their loss column. So yeah. it's hard to beat a 10-win right. team because if you beat them, then they're probably not – it's tougher for them to get you to 10 wins. You made them a single-digit win team, perhaps. And there's probably 15-ish 10-win teams a year. BYU was 10-3 and three and finished 19th in the AP poll. So there are some 9-4, and four, power five, da 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 the point is, uh, I can see both sides of this, but my opinion is that that is not a bad loss. The metrics are telling us that Notre Dame is better than you think. And, oh, by the way, it's Notre Dame. But uh, obviously we're disappointed BYU lost. And BYU's not playing as well as last year's team, Spencer. That's the most disappointing thing right now, is why isn't this team equal to or better than last year? I would argue that 
playing the Pac-12 and having those wins is one reason. Another is no Tyler Algier. That is a bigger loss than we thought. I think we thought the run game would be uh, better than it, it has been, which we'll get into in a moment with our second trending topic. But I'm going to say not a bad loss. And obviously disappointing that you lose. But losing Notre Dame, 18th in the composite metrics I just put together, that's not a bad loss. In a world of filters and lenses on your camera phones, it depends on what filter and lens you're looking through. For a BYU fan, two days removed from a frustrating loss, I can understand why they say, ah, it's a bad loss because BYU's better than that team. And they they just started so poorly. And so it's bad because it takes BYU out of the top 25. Yes, those things are certainly impactful. Outside of the BYU lens, realm, filter, if you pull any, any national analyst and say, okay, straight up, was that a bad loss by BYU to Notre Dame? No analyst in their right mind is going to be like, oh, it's a terrible loss and it's going to reflect awfully on the Cougars' resume and schedule moving forward. No. Notre Dame feels like an eight-win team. They're probably going to go eight and four in the regular season. They'll get some things back on track with their new coach, Marcus Freeman. They might even win a bowl game, go nine and four. At the end of the season. If it's a significant bowl game, they won't. At the <laughs> Ooh, but it's, it's true. It stings I Notre wish, Dame fans because it's true. I wish BYU even play, just played in those games. Okay. So I'm jealous. <laughs> But the, the point is, it's nobody, nobody with any sort of national analyst title as far as college football Or even football a regional goes. fan. If you asked an Arkansas fan, no. was that a bad loss? Hey, was that there? a bad loss? No. 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 No, it's Notre Dame in Las Vegas. It They're going to be back in the top 25 after this. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> they'll, they'll be in the top 25 yes. again. Yes. Okay. So give it a few weeks and then let the emotions cool for BYU fans. And more of that I, national perspective and logic can set in. I said that Saturday right? night in the heat like, of the moment. Give it, give it, give it a few words. <laughs> like, like 60 replies. No! That's terrible. You're right. Yeah, so you were asking for it in a way because it's, like, it's in the moment. But it's fun that way. I know what I'm doing. <laughs> By the way, hey, go, UC- hey, UCLA 6-0. And I don't want to talk about it, Jeremy. Kind of legit. I was like, trying I, to avoid this conversation. Hey, but they beat Utah. That was they a great beat win. Utah. And that was I, a great win. I said to our senior coordinating producer, Junior Phillips, I hate this because I have to admit that UCLA might actually be good. Now, let's not overdo. It is midway through the season. And our hope is that Oregon is the best team in the Pac-12. For sure. And then you go, eh, see? That was a, we, that was we a shall see. see. No, the BYU loss to Notre Dame is absolutely frustrating, impactful, head-scratching. It's painful, for yeah. sure. No, but it's not, it's not, from a logical lens and frame, a bad Loss. If that's BYU's worst loss of the year I'll to Notre Dame, oh my like, goodness. Like, we're, we're uh, concerned about at Liberty. Like, that would be a and worst. And at Boise State, for that matter, because Boise State is playing better football. I would argue that, uh, you know, traditionally at Boise State's not a bad loss. They're 4-2 now. They're 3 They're and getting, getting better. Loss. They're getting better. They got Dirk Cutter back. At- <laughs> they, they fired an offensive coordinator because they were so bad. Can you imagine BYU brings back, like, Gary Croton to run its offense <laughs> midseason? Like, how weird that would be? Yeah, not a bad loss with Tony. No, no. It's not. No. It's not. All, All right, right. Let's move on. Topic two. Lots to be concerned with right now with the Cougars, obviously, which is funny. We're sitting there four and two, not trending in a great direction, but four and two. What's your number one concern with Arkansas bearing down on the Cougars Saturday right now? I know there are a lot. Injuries led by Jaron Hall, 
run game on offense and defense. And the kicking game is a situation. Yes, it is. Hey, Ryan Rico seems to have figured some things out, though. So the punting game is starting to come around, which is nice. So that, that helps the special teams. But it's a, it's a clear answer for me, Jeremy, and it is the slow starts. BYU has had one fast start in six games. Yep. It was at USF. They Healthy were Puka Nakua. Yeah, how about that? Explosive play, first play from scrimmage of the season, goes 75 yards for a touchdown, the pick six by Max Tooley. Outside of that first quarter in Tampa, BYU has played five really, really mediocre and in some ways bad first halves. Yeah. So for me, it is the yeah. slow starts that are concerning because at this point, five games in a row – that's a trend. That's yeah, absolutely. It's a trend. Three games is a and trend. And I don't like that trend. Yeah. Uh, I asked yesterday a few of the players, how do you get better and and start quicker? What what's the key? Jaron yeah. Hall told me on the weekend, well, it's be better on first down. Mm. Okay? Sustain some drives. That starts with being better on first down. I believe that BYU being better on first down will happen even against Arkansas against anybody remaining on the schedule because Arkansas's defense has been generous at times, even up front with those SEC big men, right? They're banged up on defense. Right. With a purposeful downhill run game. I would not have any issue if BYU ran the ball 12 times on their first three drives, okay? Uh, No, just purposeful downhill running game. You got the crowd behind you. You're at home. It's a wide out. Emotion's good there. Arkansas's beat up. If you want to be better on first down, it's that simple. Better, more purposeful downhill run game with Chris Brooks, who I think is starting to gain some confidence. He should anyway, right after what he did against Notre Dame. And he's had a couple of games now, what, three with 90-plus yards? Like yes. He's clearly the best running back BYU has. By the way, you remember Friday after Utah State, I said I'm concerned Miles about Miles Davis and Jaron Hall. Yep. Miles Davis didn't even play in the Notre Dame. No, he did didn't not. Even dress. He did tell me that he is positioning to be back for the Arkansas game. That's great news. So Miles Davis should be back. He is that likely was, to play. On that Saturday. was not a big deal after that game. I was telling you I was concerned, and unfortunately, yeah. uh, I was right on that. It I stinks. don't. These injuries are a big deal. Chase Roberts uh, didn't didn't yeah. did he even dress against Notre no. Dame? No, no. Okay, the last two games. This is an issue. Obviously, BYU didn't get the ball out. Okay, my number one concern, I agree with you, slow starts. Second quarter, uh, 22 rushing yards on the season. This is pathetic. I'm so tired of eight minutes time of possession in the first half. So it's not about the running game then. It's about, Well, if you run the ball, then you hold on to the ball longer. It's and you about, give your defense more rest. I think it starts with the defense getting off the field. It starts there. Okay. And then on offense, okay. you've got to sustain drives. So the controllable there is, Cougar Stats put out this morning, 12 three and outs in the first half this season. Three against Notre Dame. Two were one and out, as you pointed out yesterday. Other, uh, the other team dominates, takes BYU out in the two losses, right? It's particularly in Oregon-Notre Dame. Average time possession to BYU's losses is 24 minutes to 36 for the opponent. Rushing yards, 205 allowed. Both north of 24 points. Let's talk about 24 Let's do the Bronco rules. Bring it back. It's the BYU Sports Nation stat of the day. Okay, BYU is 20 and 1 since 2020 when allowing 24 or fewer points. Bronco <laughs> Mendenhall said this is a metric that they looked at. 5 and 5 when allowing 25 plus. That 24 number yes. is a big deal. Yes. By the way, Houston in 2020, the only team that BYU has beaten when allowing 24 or more. So it's it's. It's a big deal. The defense has got to play better. Um, and do we feel like Arkansas is going to score 24 or fewer? Like, that feels like a very important um, 
causation, sure. not correlation, sure. with BYU's success. So the one loss, because Coastal Carolina scored 22 points, right? But they won. But they won. That's the I mean, one. That's the one loss over this span, right? That's the one loss, That's yes. Coastal Carolina. Yes. That's it. You're right. Houston's in that 5-5 five and five zone of right. a loss. Wild. It's only Coastal. Sure. So when BYU knows they're playing the game on uh, Monday... They're undefeated <laughs> when allowing 24 or fewer. Yeah, thanks for clearing that up. That's a big deal. BYU's defense, I think the defense got to play better. And if Jaron Hall can't throw the ball at the same level, then, then the run game needs to turn up because I think Aaron Roderick has looked at the inconsistency of the run game and said, well, I'm going to put the ball in Jaron Hall's hands, which is the right thing to do. But now maybe you have to reassess it some way if his shoulder isn't 100%. Now – Maybe it was a minor thing, and this week he gets better and BYU's good, and they can chuck it around. Because, look, if BYU's receivers are healthy, and even unhealthy, they've been really good. Like, I'm very excited about how awesome this receiving core is. I would just like them all to be on the field. Uh, is Gunnar Romney okay? It sounds like he's going to be okay, but when you take him to the hospital, that concerns me I, again. I would be shocked if he plays this Saturday. That's me speculating oh, based on what Kalani, I saw. Kalani and Ed I would, acted like I they were fine, it. but maybe oh that's Oh, my goodness. Please, please, if he can play, awesome news. Okay, because look, th- again, let's just list them out and how they performed this year. Like, what guy don't you trust? I trust all of them. Puka Nakua, Gunnar Romney, Chase Roberts, Keanu Hill. Cody Epps is the fifth one I brought up. He might be the best receiver on the team right now. The way he's playing with 25 catches leads the team. Five, Five touchdowns, touchdowns Five leads the team. touchdowns. Like Keanu, uh, Cody Epps might be the best receiver on the team right now. Like he's, he's performing like the guy we thought when uh, BYU signed him. This is a loaded group. Braden Cosper. Like, Look at that. Look at Gunnar Romney and Puka Nakua at the bottom of that list. <laughs> what? That is nuts. Okay. When Cody Epps signed, uh, where'd he go? Matterday, right? With Bryce Young? Was that the Matterday, yeah. Is, he was a first-team All-American by the USA Today. Like, 28 touchdowns, 1,700 yards, or something crazy. And Bryce Young's his quarterback, the Heisman Trophy winner eventually, and perhaps number one pick. And it was like, dude, how did BYU get this guy? He's injured. He's, he's redshirting, da-da-da. Now that he's healthy, this guy's mm. a dude. Mm. And Keanu Hill's a dude. And Braden Cosper is the next evolution of, uh, you know, Dax Milne and Gunnar Rout. Like, why not? Let's get the ball to these guys. Let's establish the run. And let's do what we thought this offense would be, Spence. Which Fast is, which starts, is dominate. High points. What if BYU put up 40 and just dominate this weekend? Let's go. More time of possession. But SEC, more points. It's tough. Yes. Try and help your defense out a little bit. You know what's crazy? Let's look at that list. One, one thing before we go to Voice of the Nation here. BYU, tell me one game this year where they have had every big-time player available in the game. Didn't have it in game one. Nope. So it's no games. Gunnar no Romney was out. No games. Either Gunnar or Puka or Chase. Or... Honestly, it's not been that big of a deal because these, like Braden Costa, is like, well, throw me the ball. BYU is 4-2 in spite of this. Yes. But... Which that group has overperformed tremendously. They've been great. BYU has not had all of their primary guys available all together in one game this season. But Jaron's there. The O-line's healthy. That, that's important. That but, core is super crucial, for but, sure. But the running backs haven't been fully healthy. Like, you don't have all three every game. Yeah. All right, our question of the day is this. Maybe it's injuries. Maybe it's quick starts. Maybe it's both. <laughs> What's your number one concern about BYU football right now? At Tyson Peterson says on Twitter, my number one concern is having a well-rounded defense. Mm. There are games when BYU's run defense is awesome and the pass defense poor. And other games when it's the opposite. BYU needs great pass and run defense every game. 
I'd say good. Yeah. Great is too much for me. Uh, I'm need, very specific. You don't need about to be like words. spectacular on both sides, but it's like if you're consistent, here is well, stu- it can be cl- consistently bad. As cliche, <laughs> as cliche as this sounds, like the phrase I've heard the most from coaches and from analysts is BYU's not playing assignment sound football. There's there's not in the right places. Right? It's so boring. It's so boring. So boring. Being the, why, aren't, why isn't BYU in the right spot? That's question mark? a great question. That's an issue. And Kal- that's why Kalani is saying these are some simple fixes, low-hanging fruit. That we can coach them up. We like, can coach them up. Yes. We can get them in the right place. And that's what Trevor Maddish said yesterday. Like, if you're in the right places, then the team, if they beat you, if your opponent beats you, then they're beating you then just they're because they're you. better than you. But and their hair the right, smells like being cinnamon. in the right place. Yeah. Check out BYU Football with Kalani Stocky tonight, 8.30 Eastern time, as Caden Hawes and the coach talk about Notre Dame, Arkansas. Deep Blue features MMA fighter turned, uh, well, kicker turned MMA fighter Andrew Mickelson. Hobbs Nyberg in the film. Up next, he's a former NFL and BYU linebacker. He's a current analyst and an hey. all good guy. David Nixon is back in <laughs> Studio B. He's got the coach relaxing. What's his number one concern within BYU football right now? This is BYU Sports Nation. Rowan Law is doing work. This portion of BYU Sports Nation is presented by Bodyguards. Protection for a life worth living. Studio B on a Tuesday with your day-to-day BYU sports play-by-play. I am Spencer Linton. To my left sits Jerem Jordan. And just across the way in our uh, Cougar Council room (laughs) is David Nixon. (laughs) I like the Cougar Council room. I like that. That has a good ring to it. Got a carpet. We've got so many jokes. I'm just going to. I'm not going to. I'm not going to. What's up, David? How you you doing, man? Doing well. Doing well. Uh, uh, Like I said, this this has now become kind of BYU TV sports room, right? I mean, this is where we host We have another name for it, but yeah. Yeah, but I mean, this is is ours. It just feels good to have our own room. Uh, so I feel comfortable sitting here in I our. I thought it was C, but room. apparently there's another show in there. <laughs> it's <laughs> Studio BYU we, we, Sports. It's like a billion views or something. It's it's crazy. Uh, hey, uh, exciting times in the in the family on Sunday. <laughs> I mean, how wild was that? <laughs> I mean, uh, we were during break. We were just talking about how with I was there with my little boys at home, watching the Saints game on our iPad, and it was. There's Uncle Taysom. It was unbelievable. Uncle- that's what they're saying. They, that's what they call him, Uncle Taysom, right? Uh, and just going nuts. And, and I, him and I were texting after the game, and uh, deservedly so. He's really sore. He's like, man, I've, I'm yeah, pretty banged up. And, and the crazy thing about him is the fact that it's, it's not just running back. It's not just quarterback. I mean, he's, he's doing kickoff returns now. Recovering I mean, fumbles. Recovering fumble. But, 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 but he's also on the punt team. He's a personal protector. Well, guess what? Personal protector, you got dudes taking a five-yard running start at you. And so you're you're absorbing, absorbing blows there, right? It's just like he had a great block, huge on block on the blocks, uh, yeah, right? tied tight in coming tight across end. the middle. He's, he's trying to take on a big old defensive end in the NFL, and he's got to create, <laughs> you know, get his hat on the right side of him and, and go low and like he's asked to do so much, so much. Obviously, and and, 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 awesome. and the thing that you remember is this is all coming off of a Liz Frank injury that he just had not even a year ago. We're talking like. Ten months ago, it was the last game of the year. He's the bionic man. It's and that it's was insane. his second list, Frank. Obviously, yeah, from 2015. Yeah, 
Okay, so I, my question is, what do the Saints do with him now? Because I love after the game, he just said, I don't know. I just show up to work. I just work here. I man. just work here. I just work here. <laughs> that was so funny. Like, <laughs> what, what is his uh, role? Honestly, I think that is his approach because I think every week, depending on who they're playing, they have a different game plan in, in place for him, right? And uh, injuries are happening. You know, I mean, Alvin Kamara was, was out, right? Um, and, and so all of a sudden he's thrust more into a, a role where he's got to play more and get more carries and touches. And so I think it really is a week-by-week you know, show up and, and see what uh, the offensive coordinator and, and quarterbacks coach and tight ends coach and how they're going to use them and utilize them because it, you, you just never know. What rooms does he even go yeah. to? Like, when they're like, hey, we need you in here, it's like, well, I'm actually in these two. Someone tweeted. Monday's your tight ends day, Tuesday's yeah. your quarterback's day, rotate. Yeah, rotate. Wednesday specialty. Someone after the game said, Taysom Hill wasn't available for post-game comment because he was changing someone's tire on the way to do surgery and then finishing the night off by doing someone's taxes. Like, the versatility is obviously amazing. This was his greatest game in the NFL. I looked it up, David. I couldn't find anyone else who had all those numbers, um, you know, in a, in a game of four touchdowns and a single kickoff return yard and a fumble recovery. Now, tell me this. Is he, is he better suited? And this is the great debate. Is he better suited as a starting quarterback or this? Because his effect on the game is awesome either way. But he, it feels like he has a bigger impact when he's the – other guy, if you will. I don't know. Yeah. As a quarterback, obviously you put the ball in his hands. It's awesome. But he's not doing what he's doing on special teams or creating wrinkles in the same way. It's, it's tough because we want him to be a starting quarterback, obviously. That's the pinnacle of success at that position. But what he's doing is so special that I wonder if there's some writers, if he keeps this going in several years that go, why isn't he in the Hall of Fame for his uniqueness? Yeah, you know what I mean? Because he does not have a shot at the Hall of Fame as a quarterback, let's be honest. Yep. But he does as this guy. Yeah, and, and, we, and we've talked about this before. I mean, yeah, there's, there's no comp for him, right? There, you can't compare him to anybody. I mean, people try to compare to Tim, Tim Tebow, but I mean, that's Excuse not even remotely me? close, I'm right? I'm offended by well, that. Well, and Tim Tebow didn't have like 4-4 speed like Taysom has, right? No. So it, it's, you, you can't even go there, but uh, it is, it's something NFL has never seen. And, and a guy who can line up in all these different positions and, and do all these, I mean, throw blocks, return kicks, uh, and, and crucial spots and crucial points of the game too, right? I mean, that touchdown he scored at the end, uh, running was, uh, I mean, they needed it. They were down. It was a shootout. Yeah. 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 Needed so, all those. So it's just, uh, it's, it's crazy what he's doing. And I think for him, he's just enjoying it because, you know, with him, I, I think he realizes with injuries that your season can be cut short at any moment. Yeah. And so you've got to kind of enjoy the ride while you can. And, uh, but there's no doubt he's, he's sore. He's really sore. It was the best of both worlds for me because I want the Seahawks to stink this year because I want to hire Tank for Jaron. So it was Tank a, for Jaron. It was a good game. And Taysom uh, played well, and the Seahawks barely lost. That almost got him, guys. <laughs> it was the best. It was of the both perfect worlds. game. Yeah. David Nixon is with us on BYU Sports Nation. We turn the page now to BYU football, following oh yeah, that. frankly a frustrating loss to Notre Dame, and there are a bunch of concerns surrounding the program right now. Notably, injuries, slow starts, special teams, kicking game, the run game. David, what's your number one concern within BYU football at this moment? I think for me, I'm always able to turn and look at the defense because that's what I know best. Um, and for, for this BYU defense, it's a lack of identity. Mm. And, and I think this is a defense I heard you guys talking about before I came on um, where the coaching staff is saying, guys are in the wrong spots and, and you know, they're, they're not, we're not assignment sound. Well, that happens when you don't have an identity and when you don't have a defense to lean back on. And so in our day, we had a 3-4. And that was our base package. 
and we knew exactly where our run fits were, depending on whatever team we played. When you say fit, where you're supposed to be. Where, where exactly, where, where your gap. assignment is, yeah. right? Your assignment is what gap you're supposed to be in and what leverage you're supposed to have, right? Meaning which side of the guy. Yeah, which, which, yeah exactly. So, so if a guy comes to block you, is your, is your helmet supposed to be on the outside of him or are you supposed to be on the inside of him? Are you supposed to take away the C gap or are you supposed to take away the D gap, right? And, and that was our base defense. I feel like right now our BYU's defense has been more reactionary. We're, we're reacting to the opposing teams we're playing. Sure. Uh, whereas I would love to see us come out and say, we're a 4-3 defense and try and beat us. And, and everybody knows that I've got outside contain. I've got to be outside. My, if I'm a D tackle, I've got A gap to A gap, right? Whatever it may be. And the coaching staff can put them in the right positions. But then there's no uncertainty. So we saw a couple plays, and we'll break it down today on AFR, where you had two guys outside. And sure enough, the running back bounces it inside and goes for 12 yards, right? And you can't have that happen. You've got to be gap sound, right? And so I would love for this BYU defense to evolve and have enough confidence to say, okay, backer, you got outside safety, you got inside no matter what. And if somehow the running back bounces it and the outside backer misses them, hey, outside backer, you're out of the game. Like, you, you didn't do your assignment, right? And so it's easy, to, it's easy to break down. Whereas I think right now every game we're changing things up, going with different game plans depending on who we're facing – and guys are just uncertain. And, and, and when, the other bad thing, when, when you play with that uncertainty, you play so much slower, too, mm. because you're, you're second-guessing you're second yourself every play. So, so you see you, – because it's all about reads, right? So as a defense guy, you, you see your reads and, and you react. And if you're confident, you react that much faster. If, if you're not confident and you're saying, man, I can't remember if I'm supposed to be in the C gap or, or the D gap. Problematic. Problematic. You're one step slower, which, as we know, football's a game of inches and, you know – 12-yard gain, right? So defensively, I think they've got to, they've got to come together and get a base identity and, and go from there. Um, and they've got to get off the field on third downs, 11-16. Like, that's not going to cut it. Yeah. Um, and then offensively, I mean, they, they just didn't have the opportunities. I mean, I, I saw a stat, I think, with 56 plays or something like that, total plays. 46. In the 40s, so the 40s yeah, under yeah. 50. And yeah, Kalani 40s. is 0-5, according to Ralph Soblowski. Yes. Uh, Sub 50 plus. Well, yeah, it I, makes sense. It makes sense. I mean, that's, that's the most obvious stat out there. Like, yeah. you're, you're not going to win games I mean, unless you're just doing 75 yard bombs, you know, every, every time you get the ball. You only had two one and out drives. Yeah. First play of the game interception, and then. And, and you didn't miss big. One, one and out. One and out. You turn the. You, you yeah. stop Notre Dame on the three yard line, and the very next play, Jaron Hall takes a safety. They just crush, crushing one-and-out series. And, and this was one of those games where it really fell on everybody. I mean, you got to miss extra points, so special teams you know, didn't do their job. Defensively, couldn't get out the field. Offensively, they couldn't sustain drives and, and turn the ball over and, and giving the other team points with the safety. And I mean, just still had a shot to win. still had a shot. That, and that's what's the most that's disappointing. That's the most disappointing. That's the most yeah. disappointing. I, I almost would have rather have an Oregon blowout and just been like, we just sucked. But the fact that we shot ourselves in the foot so many times and still should have won that game – is is that I think that's the tough pill to swallow, um, but you know there's there's so much to talk about. I mean, defensively as well, the third downs we talked about. Oh, those third downs are so you, you can get off the field. BYU's defense, a lot of guys is third and five, and they've got their heels at eight yards, and it's like it's it's the same mentality. That receiver is not going to run an eight yard out. He's just not going to do it. He's going to run a five yard out to get to the chains. It's they, all they want is a first down. So I think. Just veteran and understanding the game a little more and situational awareness would help this team. But mm. it's tough to be doing this, you know, now game six of the season, right? This is who you are, is it not? Like, typically by game six, we have a great sense of yeah. – that, that te- this team is going to be drastically different in game ten. Like, this is kind of who BYU is, according to Robert and I. 
if you believe Robert and I, and a lot of people do, is doing great work at Syracuse. Okay, talk to me about Arkansas, because in comes an SEC team that's reeling. They've lost three in a row, granted against great competition. And BYU has an opportunity to kind of right the ship. Because if BYU wins this, and is 5-2, and two, and got to split among the big four, or the perceived big four preseason, that's awesome, and BYU's on schedule for 10 wins. But do you feel like BYU's trending in a way where 10 wins is realistic? That's a tough one because, yeah, you looked at the slow starts, and that's been happening ever since. I mean, USF was the only game yes. we had a fast start. Yep. Five straight games with slow starts. Yep. Um, and so, yeah, the, the, the trends are not in BYU's favor right now. Um, but at home helps, obviously, and this team plays well at home, uh, as, as we know. Uh, afternoon games aren't kind to BYU, also, as we know from stats. But uh, I, I think there's a team that can get it right. I mean, they've got the talent. And, and frankly, I think they've got the coaching staff, too. I, I, I believe in this coaching staff. They've just got to mesh those two together. And, and I think Jaron's injuries and what he was dealing with didn't help last week as well. Um, but they, they've got to find a way to make this thing gel. And, and Arkansas is not an easy team to try to figure that out with, right? I mean, this is, <laughs> this is SEC football. I don't care if they're on a three-game losing streak. I mean, this is a team that comes in that, that uh, was ranked in the top ten earlier in the season. Yep. And rightfully they got so. their quarterback back, didn't play against Mississippi State. They've got Lost athletes. Your Aggies. Yeah, they've, they've got athletes. And I watched them in that Aggie game closely. And they've got big dudes that, that are going to fly around. And we saw this when BYU faced Mississippi State here years ago. Mississippi State was kind of middle of the SEC, you know, maybe almost bottom of that year. Tough, they were yeah. five and seven that year. That tu- yep. Yeah, and, and they played BYU obviously into what double overtime, right? Yep. Yep. I mean, it was, and so it's it's just going to be a slugfest. The, Arkansas is one of the most heavy run teams in the country, and so BYU's got to bring their big boy pads and get ready because, you know, if you watch the film, if you're Arkansas, you're watching the film, you're going to try and cram it down BYU's throat, then mix in a little play action and and you know beat them deep, but. Um, you know, it's, it's going to be a slugfest. And I, I'm hoping BYU guys, after what happened last week, are up, you know, going to rise up to the challenge. David Nixon's going to bring it on After Further Review. You like that? You should we've watch got, Hey, listen, we've got, I mean, we try to break down the good, the bad, and the ugly, right? I mean, it's, we try to break it all down, and there's some ugly plays, and we'll try to explain why, why it didn't work and why guys weren't in the right position. And, 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 and when, you, when you watch After Further Review, hopefully you leave with a little better understanding of what coaches are saying where – it's like we're so close, we've got guys in the wrong spots, and we'll kind of try and point that out. David Nixon just mentioned it. 7 Eastern time tonight on the BYU TV app after further review. As seen in this studio, David David looking tall there. How many inches you got on Blake? Three? Four? I mean, it's, I, I try to space myself away from them too much, you know, a little more, because <laughs> as I get closer, it looks, it looks worse and worse. It but, happens. Uh, <laughs> you know, we, got it, we got it figured out. It happens. Tonight on the BYU TV app. Up next. What is your favorite BYU helmet? Is it something with ombre or perhaps some custom paint? This is BYU Sports Nation. Ombre? BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. BYU Sports Nation, in case you uh, didn't know, hi. Uh, Follow this program on social media, on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, and TikTok. What about Friendster? We're still working on the account Because there. we're Friendsters? We're, we're <laughs> still most Friendsters. He is Jeremiah and Spencer. Let's whip it! Cougar Whip Round presented by Marisk, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. Yesterday, Kalen Stakia was asked if there was an update on Jaron Hall's health. Here's what he said. Yeah, he has no choice. He's got to go. He's got to be. There's, there's, I mean, this, this is mid-season football, so he's got he's to be ready to roll. The choice is yours to Chuckarama, but not for Jaron Hall with football. What do you think Kalani means when he says Jaron's got to go? Well, Kalani's feeling the urgency, 
and and I think he wants Jaron to equally feel the urgency. Like, we need you. Like, if you're at 75% and you're at 80%, we need you now. Like, the urgency has to be there. Unproven backup and Jacob Conover excited about what he may become, but not right now, right? This is Jaron Hall's Jaren team right now. Jaron is the guy. If he was and good enough to play against Notre Dame and he didn't seemingly get banged, frankly, he threw 17 passes. It was like he was overworked against Notre Dame. And we know this guy's going to fight through adversity with an injury. Last year, he broke ribs against Arizona and played in the Utah game yes. and Arizona State game before he landed on the ball and attacked him. This guy will play hurt if he sure. needs to. Sure, got to go. Urgency's got to be there. That's what yep. Kalani is saying. All right, Pro Football Focus has Zach Wilson, another fierce competitor, as the highest-rated quarterback from the 2021 quarterback draft class, 77.4. The best is 100 in the quarterback rating here. Davis Mills is second at 70. Trevor Lawrence, 61.7. Is Zach the best quarterback from the 2021 draft class right now? Now, looking at the numbers, uh, Trevor has 10 more touchdown passes, 1,500 more yards, but eight more interceptions. How many more starts, though? Because Zach sat uh, out for a while. Five or seven. Zach sat out a few games Zach, last year, too. Zach yeah. has three more rushing touchdowns, TD catch. Same amount of wins, but Trevor has seven more losses. So, yeah, Zach, Zach's looking like he might be. I need a little more volume. Sure. But as of now, uh, Trevor's looking pretty good. Granted, the Jaguars are worse than the Jets. Jets Jets more talented team now. They've done well in the draft. They're developing a little better. Um, so Zach's right there if he's not number one. Uh, yeah, it's, it's tough to know right now. Like, yeah, we need more. We need, we need more. We need more from Zach Wilson specifically. We have enough of a sample size from Trevor Lawrence. Two games this year. Enough of a sample size from Trevor Lawrence over the two seasons combined. I don't have enough from Zach Wilson because he's sat out multiple games last year and now multiple games this year. So yeah. when Zach Wilson has as many rookie. starts as Trevor Lawrence does, then we can look at, well, where Trevor was when he had this many starts, when Zach catches up to that, then we'll have a better fair assessment of that. Yeah, it's three or five games, something like that. Sean Payton joked yesterday with Colin Cowherd that he texted Saints GM Mickey Loomis that if he was uncomfortable with Taysom Hill's $10 million salary in a year or two, to give him a call and he'd take him <laughs> off his hands. When Sean Payton comes back to the NFL to coach, is Taysom going with him? You better believe that Sean Payton's going to go after Taysom Hill. Why would he not? But would the Saints ever give him up? Like, would they have to ante up? Is, are they going to pay Taysom Hill more than $10 million a year? I doubt they'd do it. Unless they're going to play him uh, like they did Sunday more often. Because if they Sean don't, Payton is the stepdad who loves to play catch with Taysom. Just they really connected, you know what I mean? Like, find you a coach like Sean Payton in your life that wants you involved. Is Sean Payton the stepdad or is he the dad that's just now divorced and moved away? Perhaps it's that. <laughs> yeah. Like, well, the step, yeah, the, the step, step that is the second marriage didn't work out. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's interesting stuff. Built BYU women's volleyball. As we turn our attention to the Olympic sports now, Jerem, be a top 10 team going into Selection Sunday. They're number 12 right now. They certainly will have a good chance, Spencer, because they finish with San Diego at home. Get to play the trails twice. Tuesday, November 22nd. That's a big game on ESPNU. If they win that, they will be in the top 10, I believe. If they split with San Diego, you think they'll be a top 10 team? Yes. Okay. Because I think they'll take care of business against everybody else, including at LMU and Pepperdine, which would be tough matches as well. At Pepperdine's always tough. But that one, yeah, this this year's BYU team is built a little different. Still trying to find that second outside, okay. not getting a lot of offense from the opposite. Yeah, they could be, I, I think like BYU's 10-ish, right? Yes. 10. And they need to beat San Diego at least once, Spence, to be a top 16 team to host, in my opinion. Let's go. If they get swept, they're going to be on the, the road Toreros. probably for the NCAA tournament. There's been a lot of reaction to the BYU helmets this week, so we asked mm -hmm. which version is your favorite. This week's hand-painted version or the Ambre helmet from the Notre Dame game. Poll results as of now. 
50-50 on Twitter. Wow. Instagram says 57% like the really? hand more. Really? What I, do you like more? I, I like the royal and black helmet better. I like the I ombre. I do too. I just like the whole uniform getup, the reveal. I loved everything about it except for the fact that BYU lost in it. That was unfortunate. But and that I has nothing the, to do with that. I love the look of the royal and black helmet yeah. as like a, an occasional throw in, uh, just joining, you know, the white helmet and the royal helmet. Okay? Well, if we had those three helmets to look at for BYU football for the rest of forever, I, that'd be enough for me. Clearly, helmets, we're going to have more. Royal blue helmet and the black to blue gradient ombre helmet, fine by me. I love the variety. They're not catering to 50 year old white dudes for these. They're catering to tradition! High schoolers, honestly. And obviously the team in college. It's a recruiting thing. It's a perception thing, okay? Yeah. So if you don't like it, it doesn't really matter. Like they're not <laughs> catering to you or me or anybody but the players who will be here and who are here. Yeah, it's it's a rock Hey, do you like that new helmet? It doesn't matter <laughs> it doesn't what you matter. think. <laughs> it does not. <laughs> All the 50-year-old white dudes are like, Rah! <laughs> oh, good. Yeah. I'm, I'm, They're not catering to anybody but the players, I'm telling you. Give me that white jersey with the royal helmet, royal pants with BYU wore against USC last year. That's my favorite combo. It was it was crisp. Okay, watch Coordinator's Corner with Gregor Bell on the BYU TV app. And uh, all content that we've got, studio shows and games and clips on BYUSN.com. It's your turn to be heard. What is your number one concern within BYU football six games into the season? This is BYU Sports Nation. The helmet, Spencer! Give me that ombre! This portion of BYU Sports Nation is presented by Maersk, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation live on a Tuesday from Studio B. Talking October football. And more importantly, we're discussing what you all think with our question of the day in Voice of the Nation. What is the number one concern you have Surrounding BYU football at the midway point. Six games in, four There's no wins, chocolate cougar lives. tail! <laughs> if that's your number one concern, it's been a great, great life for hey, you. Hey, if BYU was 6-0, and oh, yeah, we'd be like, where's the sky <laughs> Great, camp? great season. Uh, at Grizzfather says on Twitter, This team has the talent to play and compete with anyone on their schedule. Mental mistakes, lack of focus, lack of execution, lack of playing solid sound football for the entire game, is what has cost BYU the two losses and close calls against lesser competition. Oregon was just better. That one, I just tip my cap on that one. Uh, but Notre Dame is one where I go, eh, no one got away from you. That was absolutely winnable. We all kind of feel like BYU should be 5-1, and one, right? Like, yeah. Do we feel that way? I think that's fair. I mean, let, let's, let's acknowledge that BYU could have easily lost the Baylor game. For sure. Okay, right? so maybe 4-2 four and, two four and two is where is it is. Fair. Maybe 4-2 and two is where I, it is. And honestly, I'm happy with 4-2. If we expected BYU to defend home turf against Arkansas this week, and they come in on a three-game losing streak, it's going to be a really tough game. BYU needs to win this game. Physically taxing game. If BYU wins this game, they are on pace for nine plus. If they lose this game, you're staring at eight and four in the regular season because there's going to be another loss, maybe two. Like because of the trends. Because because yeah. trends. Doubt, yes. Doubt starts to creep because in. Because injury back to back games. Injury to Jaron Hall. You're still playing at Liberty, at Boise State, at Stanford. I know that Stanford's not as good as they have been. Stanford should have beat Oregon State, by the way. Miracle oh, win by the I Beavers so on bad Saturday. For <laughs> They've lost I 12 two, straight FBS games. I did too, and then I remembered all the BYU would be BYU guys they have, and I felt yeah, less bad okay. uh, about that. 
But it, it's really important that BYU wins this because all of a sudden you could, you could slide. You could be 4-1 and one and lose three in a row with Liberty uh, next week. Go win this game. Go beat Liberty. You're 6-2. and two. Just You have a, an allowance for one loss yes. in there somewhere. And then, yes, yeah. get a 10th win in a bowl game, and this season was tremendous. Nine-plus would still be a good season. We just thought this team was tremendously experienced and had an amazing quarterback, and it does in Jaron Hall, and the offensive line, and da-da-da. Yeah. This team is underachieving in the way it's playing. It's 4-2, and two, which is probably on That's schedule. That's not an underachievement in the win-loss column, per Correct. se. But it's how, how they they're played playing. over. How you play matters, games, Spence, yeah. because how you play indicates whether you're gonna whether you're gonna win at Liberty, whether you're gonna win at Boise State. Like, what are you right? You're now? not dominating a couple of times where you should have dominated, and mm. you let you should have taken advantage. They did against Baylor, best win of the season. Clearly, you defended against perceived rivals, right? And then Notre Dame, you let it slip away. You have a chance to have a statement win against Arkansas. They're not in the top 25. They lost three in a row. It's the second SEC team ever to come here, Spence. Win this game, take care of business, and now, d- don't forget, next year BYU goes to Fayetteville in week three for the biggest game of the non-conference. Sure. BYU will be sure. 2-0, and that's a huge game. So, massive game for BYU and the, and the, the, the season as we begin the second half, by the way, of the year. And can BYU close out a really good opponent in an afternoon game? I know it's at Lavelle Edwards Stadium. So wide out, the juice should be there, but can BYU take care of business in, a, in, a, in an afternoon game? We've had that concern as well. Absolutely. And, and what I love is this is what it's going to be like next year. Big game, big game, big game, and so on in the league. Because even if Texas Tech is 2-2 two and two when BYU plays them in, in week two of Big 12 play, you're playing for a conference. Yes, it's, there's bigger context. Number it matters more. The Alamo Bowl is the th- third best team, it or ma- whatever. It matters like, more. This is a preview and a taste of what it's going to be like next year, where it's like, hey, we're banged up. We got a big game. We got to show up. And that's Absolutely. what goes back to what Kalani's saying. Jaron's got to go. It's midway point. Everybody's banged up. If you can play, play. The urgency's got to be there. Yep. And I like that. Okay, Trent Hainer, by the way, on Facebook ads, we're losing the battle of the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball in every game. Every team seems more physical than BYU is. Uh, I, don't, I don't know about that. Yeah. BYU's offensive line had a really nice they've game. Been really, they've been really solid. Yeah. Yep. They've yep. been really solid on the offensive front. Saturday, we've got you. 1.30 Eastern time, two hours of pregame from Cougar Canyon and inside the stadium <clears> with <throat> Brian, Dave, Blaine, David, Spence. BYU Sports Nation game day for just the second SEC team ever in Provo. Up next, to prepare for the rare SEC versus BYU game, and at home especially, we roll out the top five BYU plays all time against SEC teams. Byron Friends to the house! This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. This portion of BYU Sports Nation is presented by Mountain America, the official credit union of BYU Athletics. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation. Download the podcast if you haven't already. It's time for Top 5 Tuesday with SEC opponent Arkansas coming to Provo and Lavelle Edwards Stadium. Let's roll out BYU's best, in fact, top five best plays against SEC teams over the years. Number 5, 2016 versus Mississippi State. Akile Davis, incredible one-hander. BYU won this game in double OT. Taysom Hill, speaking of scrambling, okay, one hand. Akile. And this was an important drive in the fourth quarter. 
Davis transferred Woo! to Northwestern State, by the way, for the 2019 season. I didn't know where he went after. Moroni Lalaputita had some big catches in that game, too. Yes, Number four, BYU at Tennessee 2019. Following a certain miraculous play that may be mentioned coming up, to get BYU into overtime, Tyson Williams and the entire BYU offensive line scrum into the end zone, giving BYU the walk-off double overtime win at Neyland Stadium. 1998, number three, season opener at Alabama. Glenn Tuckett, former Cougar ID, was the interim AD there. Got this game scheduled. BYU gets a 39-yard scoop and score from Byron Frisch. The score uh, later in this game, BYU scores a late touchdown to make it a one-score game. Sean Alexander rushed for five touchdowns and this fumble. In the At number two, Kyle Van Noy. The Ole Miss game. First game of independence, as a matter of fact. Uh, this became his first win. <laughs> his first individual win. His the war was off the charts. Cause the fumble, pick it up, score the touchdown. KVN does it again. Ole Miss, 2-10 that year. Number one play. Micah Miracle, 2019 at Tennessee, down 16-13, 14 seconds left. Zach Wilson finds Micah Simon, 64 yards to set up the game-tying field goal, eventual double overtime win. Truly a miracle at Rocky Top. Outstanding. Our elite voice of the day presented by PAX Healthcare Elevated. Uh, answering, what's your number one concern about BYU football? Well, frankly, there's nothing in there. We don't got time for it anyway. All of your responses are awesome. That was good. That was a great response. Uh, today's you. Rise and Shoutout presented by Mountain America, the official credit union of BYU Athletics. How about to Lavelle Edwards and Steve Young? Combo birthday. We've got a great video Combo of them. birthday. How about that? 83 Holiday Bowl. Steve Young, of course, to Eddie Stinnett. Throw it up there, Eddie. And then this uh, celebration is amazing. Steve told us, I don't know what I was doing. And then this is one of the only time Lavelle Edwards actually gets somewhat animated. Yeah, what do we do? We won! <laughs> Woo! Who do I hug? Where is, where, where where is, I where is uh, everybody? <laughs> I don't know what to do. Jared Nichols on Instagram. Slow starts lately. We're going to be whooped by the explosive offenses in the Big 12 next year. He had more, but uh, yeah, concerned going into next year. Yeah, understandable. Yeah. All right. Our thanks to today's guest, David Nixon. Conversation continues on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, BYSN.com for all your sports content. Sorry to Dennis. No time. For Jerem Jordan, I am Spencer Linton. Shout out to Chocolate Cougar Tales and yeah. whoever can produce those. Okay? Buddy. We'll see you tonight for After Further Review and BYU Football with Kalani Sataki starting at 7 Eastern on the BYU TV app. Go Cougs. Chocolate?